0: The following is recorded for Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. All right, how we doing? Good. It's good to see you. Thank you again, everyone who helped landscape and pray for us while we were landscaping. Um, We could not have done that without you. Uh, um, I uh, uh, had hoped that I uh, could—let me just back up. I'm going to confess a little bit. I deal with control a little bit. where I like to have things planned out and know how things are going to happen, what the contingencies are, how to handle those contingencies. You know, I just, I, I'm, I like that. When Heather and I got married, it was frustrating because I was not a planner and she has redeemed me in that planning. I mean, I need to check this. I need to know how things are going. So, um, well, my thought is as the pastor, as the leader of our church, I should be able to roll up here and say, this is the last weekend, of the daycare. And next weekend will be the first weekend at the new facility. What God has done with me over the last eight months has killed that um, in a redeeming way. And here's what I can tell you. Um, I don't know if this is the last weekend in the daycare or not. Um, I don't know if next weekend is the first weekend in the new facility or not. There's a series of inspections happening tomorrow. If those are green tagged, um, that's, that's construction speak for go ahead, um, if, or they're good, we pass. Then they'll call for a piece of paper we've been wanting to get for a while called a certificate of occupancy. If we get that in time this week, when we, will, we will have service there next Sunday. If we don't get that in time, we'll have service there on November 9th. Um, but here's what I would ask. A uh, little bit of grace. Because we talked about some of our memories. One of the th- things Ryan said about setup up and tear down, which was awesome. We have a joke for every piece of equipment in this place. Um, like these metal things are called trusses. And so you can trust the person carrying them. Whoever, for four and a half years, it never fails. Whoever carries a cross, take up your cross, carry your cross. And we have a joke for everything. And... uh um, I will ask for some grace today because our, a lot of our technical equipment has decided six months ago it was ready to move. And our tech team, I want to thank you guys. They have been putting, they they have been working hard because they walked into this morning and our equipment has. If you don't believe in demons, um, just just work in the tech booth for a little while. It's not. I'm not saying y'all are demons, no. So, <laughs> uh, but somehow demons get into that equipment. I don't understand it, but um, but you can see that our Projectors are causing us some issues, and um, trust me, when we can have everything permanently installed, there's still going to be issues, Um, but they're a lot more predictable. But um, here's what I would ask for some grace on on weekend one, because if if you've ever moved into a house um, or you moved into your own place, remember that first night when mattresses were on the floor? You couldn't find your dishes. There were boxes in every room. All you really cared about that night was your mattress been on the floor and toilet paper, and you'd find the toothbrush in the morning. Okay, week one will be something like that, okay? <laughs> so don't expect perfection when we go in. That's going to be like, we don't, we're don't we going to be learning things and, and figuring things out. But here's what I'll tell you. It's going to be incredible. Um, March 20th, 2010 um, was a crazy uh, day for our family, crazy night. Um, And that week was incredible for our family because in that week we sold our house, we moved into a rental house, we packed up our oldest daughter and moved her to Canada, and then we launched a church. (laughs) We didn't have much going on that week. Um, This is also an incredible week. Yesterday we got to talk to our oldest daughter, and she is now engaged to be married. So thank you. Thank you. It's been a long couple of weeks because he Skyped with us from Canada. He's Canadian, and he's awesome. He is the, he is the man that a father would pray for his daughter. Um, so we Skyped with him a couple weeks ago, and he asked our blessing for her hand in marriage. And uh, that happened last night, so we've been able to have to keep it quiet for so long. And now, ah, oh, we can let that out. I feel so great. But it's been a big week. And um, March 20th kind of set a journey and, and uh, March 21st was our first day in this daycare. Show them a couple. Of, don't show them the fat man, though. Um, okay. This is, this is like morning rehearsal of week one. Um, the platform was over there. Um, and everything was in the cove. And everybody looks so young, don't they? That's what church planning does to you. If you want to age, <laughs> you might want to show the fat one now because I'm not going to live that one down. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, you've got to think. Uh, church planning ads, the camera added like 50 pounds on that, but uh, that was after a week of, uh, of not, not much sleep and a, a night of very little sleep. Because on March 20th, 2010, that late in the season, as we were setting up in here on a Saturday, it was sleeting and snowing outside. And I'm like, God, what have you done? I mean, you're in control of the weather. Why did you do this? And I I remember not sleeping well. And I remember having just this anticipation where I felt like at any moment I could throw up. But I remember just praying, God, please let people show up. If they show up, I'll preach the gospel. And that's my prayer every weekend. God, if you'll let people show up, I'll preach them the gospel. I will steward what what you bring. And it's been an incredible journey through the daycare. And uh, as you've been faithful, and we've all been faithful, and God has he's, he's let us steward more and more and more, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity. I'm so grateful for the daycare because it, they opened their doors to us. Um, they afforded our church an opportunity that, that, honestly, I didn't know how it was going to happen. I mean, it was one of those things where, God, it has to be you doing this or it's not going to happen at all. Week in and week out. It takes so many volunteer. It takes more volunteers to run our ministry today. Than we had when we launched the church. To give you an idea. It takes twice as many people. Twice as many volunteers to run our ministries. On a, on a weekly basis. Than we had when we first launched the church. And I'm so grateful for what God has done. Um, God has given us an incredible facility. But. I'm so I'm so looking forward to it. I can tell you that March 21st, 2010 was day one in here. I can't give you the date for day one in the new facility, but I will tell you this. If God will allow people to show up, we're going to preach the gospel. And we're going to love them, we're going to serve them, and we're going to see lives change because it doesn't take a facility to do that. So um, bear with us on that. Thank you for your flexibility and patience. Watch your email, watch your Twitter, watch Facebook. The Thunderbirds are in town today. The air show, if I can get them to hold over, we'll write something in the sky. Whatever it takes. Homing pigeons, I don't care. Um, we will let you know as soon as we know when we're gonna have service. And it's gonna we're just gonna rock and roll with it, okay? We're gonna be flexible. We're gonna go in, throw the mattresses on the floor and and we're gonna preach the gospel. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um, I want to talk today about um, something that a lot of us, uh, specifically, um, I've been dealing with a lot, and I know a lot of you have as well. I want to talk about faith under fire. I want to talk about trials, because we all go through things in our life. We all go through stuff, and um, I know, I, I see Facebook. I, I have my opinions about Facebook, but um, I know there are people struggling. I know there are people that are facing challenges. Um, God has been been really teaching me a lot, and a lot through trial over this project um, I just I made a joke about the control but man, God's been really challenged me on on some things and I want to talk about trials for a little bit first um, uh, Peter uh, is where we're going to be first Peter chapter one so if you've got your Bible meet me there um, if you don't have a Bible we have one on the floor for you um, at the end of the row if you don't own one write your name in it that's our gift to you we want you to have the the we want you to have a copy of scripture so you can mark in that write in that take notes in that you also have note sheets um, but when we start thinking about trials, trials, um, trials put our faith under fire. Um, we tend to we tend to get into um, some real soul searching when we go through difficulties. It, it's it's easy to think everything is good when when life is going well, but when we hit that speed bump or we hit that challenge, we hit whatever trial we're going to face. It really starts to to make us look internally. It starts to help us look around and say, okay, what's what's really going on here? And what I've seen and what I've seen, what I've experienced, is when we go through a trial, the enemy's going to use that as a as a outlet to lie to us. And sometimes we buy into the lie. I mean, honestly, um, i've seen I've seen this happen when trials hit, when troubles come, And the enemy steps in and says, well, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't be going through this. Because he starts to lead us into this lie that if we're saved, if we're redeemed, if we're a Christ follower, if we're born again, if we're a Christian, then our life should be perfect. And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't take long reading in Scripture to see how much Scripture talks about suffering. The reason the Bible teaches about suffering and trials is because it is true. It's because we will face them. And then the other thing the enemy's going to do in that in that moment is he's going to start to try to get us to live a defeated life where he's going to say, Oh, you're right. Yeah, God said you'll go through trials, but but man, this one right here, this one is locking you down. You're not going to get out of this one. God's going to forget about you in this one. When you think about it in terms of the desert, God is taking you to the desert. He's dropped you off, and he is gone. You are on your own. And then we start feeling defeated in that. We feel like, well, maybe maybe God has. Maybe God is punishing me for something I've done, and, and maybe he, he's angry at me, and what do I have to do to please him? We buy into those lies. I have bought into those lies where I go through difficulty. And go, God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, I feel like David. How long are you going to let my enemies pound on the door? How long are you going to let all this this strife and all this tension and all the contention that happens in relationships, how long are you going to let that pound on me, God? Why have you forgotten me? And God's like, I haven't. Get back to the truth of Scripture. I will never leave you or forsake you. You will not have a perfect life. Perfection happens when you are on the other side of the threshold of heaven, my friend. You will face trials. But I will be with you. There are some interesting things for us to take away. In First Peter, let me, let me read it to you. Starting in verse 3. Um, Peter writes this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials." These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Let's start understanding something about our faith being put under fire. The first thing is trials have a purpose. God doesn't waste anything. God has a purpose for everything he does. And and you can get into the, the... You can get in the argument of, did God cause this, or did God allow this? Can I tell you, it's not going to be a fruitful argument. The question is, God, what is your purpose in this? Whether you allowed this, or you caused this. I mean, you go read the book of Job, and you go, okay, did God cause this to happen to Job, or God allowed it? Because Satan said, hey, I've been roaming the earth, and God says, have you considered my servant Job? I don't want my name brought up in that context of conversation between the devil and God. (laughs) Have you considered Matt? No, 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 no. Different Matt, different Matt, different Matt. God has a purpose in everything. He is not going to waste one moment. And and, and let let me help you. This this trials, it's not persecution. The church is going to face persecution. And if you've, you've heard me say this over the last four and a half years, most of us in America as the church are persecuted because we're jerks with the gospel. The persecution is going to happen on that time when when we truly stand up. And it's going to be, do you profess Christ or are you going to go this way? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And there will be a moment where that's going to invite persecution. Not because I'm flinging a Bible in somebody's face and, and, and pointing out everything they're doing wrong while avoiding everything I've got wrong. The log and the speck. That's where most of our persecution in, in our society comes from. But the, Peter's not talking about persecution. He's talking about trials. He's talking about trouble. And it might be some discipline from God because God does discipline those He loves. My parents, I know they love me. They disciplined me a lot, man. Sunday afternoons, it was Sunday school. I made it through half a children's church. It was lunch where I'm pleading for my life. It was a spanking, and then the rest of the afternoon to enjoy whatever we had going on. But I know my parents love me because they disciplined me. They were trying to help me. They were correcting behavior. So the trial might be that God is disciplining you, but regardless, again, you get into, let's understand the purpose of the trial. You see, when when we take a test in school, Abby had to take the ACT yesterday. I felt so sorry for her. Oh, what a, what a beating. I'm glad that phase of my life is done. Whew. You know, that that whole guessing method, you know, <laughs> A, B, B, C, A, D, none of the above, all of the above. Um which isn't always right, by the way. (laughs) When it says all of the above, they must have all the right answers. Nah. But when you think about a test, I'm not a teacher, but here's my understanding of what I've been told about testing in schools. And I'm not going to get into talking about standardized testing. I'm going to talk about tests. The teacher covers material. The teacher hands out a test for those students. And the test is determined its feedback to the teacher on how far those students have come in grasping the concept. And then the grade is, how well do they grasp that concept? We start to think that when God lets us go through these tests, that God is looking at us going, how well does Matt grasp the concept of the gospel? How well does Matt grasp my love? The feedback in this test isn't for God. It's for me. Because God already knows how well I can steward his love. God already knows how well I can steward unforgiveness or forgiveness and peace and joy. God's saying, I'm allowing you to be in this position so you can see where you're at. I meet with church planners, and, and, and I, I, I've been there. You get this excitement where it's like, it's go time. I just want to do it. I know God has called me to do this. Why won't God just open the gate and let me run? I mean, God knows I can do this. He called me to do it. And the question is, do you realize you can do it? God has put me through some incredible trials over the last year, not so God could see that I could do it, but so he could prove to me, Matt, you can do this. So the test is for my feedback, not God's. He already knows. And so uh, we start to think about these tests becoming... A refining of our character. They test the genuineness of our faith. The genuineness of our our character. When Peter says that it's of greater worth than gold. Though even though it perishes by fire. What happens is gold is refined by fire. There's a process where, where gold is put in a crucible. And it is heated. And it is melted. And what happens is all of those impurities come to the top. And then what happens is is the, the, the goldsmith will take a tool and when those impurities come to the top, he will wipe them off. It's called the dross. When God is putting us or allowing us or causing, however you want to term it, when we find ourselves in the trial, the question is what character is coming to the surface? Are we dealing with unforgiveness? Are we dealing with an inability to love? Because through the heat... That's going to come to the surface. And you know what God wants to do? He wants to wipe it off. He wants us to be refined by that fire. But he says the faith will last even beyond that. And everything he's doing, he has incredible purpose in our life. I worked, one of my first jobs in high school, is I worked in a, uh, for a, a medical supply company. And I made laser tips. And it sounds really cool, um, but it wasn't. Um, <laughs> but there was a company, and they had this laser. It was a, basically a fiber optic laser that was spooled. It was a fiber optic cable. It was spooled, and my responsibility was to put on this suit and go into a clean room environment, and I assembled the laser tips. These laser tips were used in surgery where um, they wanted, because a laser just shoots straight unless something reflects it. So they needed a mirror to reflect it. So I dealt with putting a laser tip on that would be that mirror. That laser tip was made out of gold. And I would put that into a holder and I would have a a, a torch and I would fire that gold just to the point of melting, almost to where it melted. You could see the white in the gold. And then I would let it cool. And what that does, it brings all the imperfections out It also does something else. It makes it very malleable, meaning it can be changed. And then what I did after it cooled is I put it in this press, and I took this little punch, and the end of that punch was polished so fine and so perfect that when I put it in the punch and I hit it, it put a perfectly stamped gold mirror on that laser tip so that the laser could be reflected perfectly. Why am I teaching you this? It's not so you can understand lasers, but through the fire, through trials, God is bringing impurities to the surface so he can wipe them away, so he can begin to develop in us maturity. He wants us malleable so he can shape us and refine us into his image, which he wants us to clearly reflect in the world around us. Trials have an incredible purpose in our life. Now what Peter teaches though is that faith has to be tested in order to be proved. And I'm gonna tell you, a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. We have to be able to you know, when we talk about doubts and, and the testing of our faith, and we've got to be able to trust that our faith is going to be there. And when trials hit, that's when it's tested. And I can tell you when your faith is tested God can be trusted. And God doesn't God does God is not going to put you into a situation where he's like, "Let me see if I can kill their faith." I think God just led me into this trial just so he could he could take away my faith. Come on. Let's get honest. Let's understand this. We face trials with the right perspective. We start looking at through the lens of me, woe is me. I'm in this, and and I'm I am not making light. If you're if you're in the middle of a trial right now, I know the Bible says these light, momentary troubles. Um, when I'm in the middle of those hard times, where my faith is being tested, where those impurities are coming to the surface, the last thing I want somebody is in my face going, well, Jesus loves you, and these are just light momentary troubles. My response, because those imperfections are right there at the surface, where I don't know whether I want to punch them, or if I just want to say, well, God bless you too. (laughs) So I'm not making light of the trial you're in. But can I challenge you a little bit? Because when I face these trials, when I go through it, I have people around me that can challenge me. They can't fix it for me. I mean, these are things that God says, I've got to do the work in you. Can I challenge you to look at your perspective a little bit? How do you see the trials you face? How do you deal with what's going on? I mean, Peter says that we have been born again into this living hope. Maybe the question is, have you been born again? Then, if you have been born again, we face trials with hope instead of despair. It gives us a different perspective. It doesn't change the, the reality of the trial. But it's how we look at it. I mean, last night I was told, I'm not losing a daughter, I'm gaining a son. That's hope. I could easily say, I'm losing a daughter. But that's missing what God has giving me. God has given me an incredible daughter and an incredible godly man that's asked for her hand in marriage. How do we face these things? What's our perspective? And I can tell you that God will begin to change these perspectives in our heart. The, the evidence of this being born again is when you face these trials, how do you respond? Do you, do you lock in and say, God, you are the God of hope, and I'm asking for your hope to rise in me, or do we just start quoting Bible verses out of emptiness? I mean, a lot of times we use the Bible like a chant. Like, oh, I'm in the middle of this despair, well, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Um, God, you work all things together for the good of those who love you, and I know you're going to do this. Do you believe that? Because the hope that we are born again into says that's truth. That this trial is for God's glory and your good. That even though this hurts, there's great purpose in this. That this testing of your faith is going to create an incredible amount of trust. And we don't just want to quote scripture as it's a a chant to try to make the trial go away. But it's something that we start letting our hope build and say, this is what I stand on. This is what I believe on. From this is the perspective that I face all the trials in my life. Regardless of who caused it. Can you face that trial with joy? Let me read to you James 1. James 1, when you're in the middle of a trial, is the type of passage you you, kind of want to punch somebody. When he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. And Jesus loves you too. But let's go on in this. James knows trial. James knows difficulty. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers. It's not saying, hey, you're in the most difficult situation of your life right now. So just, oh, it's good. This rejoicing is not always when we look around in the trial, but it's when we look ahead through the trial. Consider it pure joys, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he would receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and stable in all he does. Can I tell you, a lot of times when we face trials, the joy is the farthest thing from our mind. It's 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 the blame thing. Before I start finding joy, who do I blame for this? And our default blame setting as Christians is the enemy. Can I tell you that I have faced many difficulties in my life that the enemy didn't even have to help one bit? I mean, it was all me. I had to own up and say, man, the devil didn't do it. I did it. And maybe it's just me, but I've also hit that point where I've blamed God. I remember one of the first funerals I had to do as a pastor. It was an 11-year-old girl. It was in my ministry. And I remember driving to the hospital, pounding my steering wheel, yelling at God, angry at God, and blaming God. God showed up in that car. We we had a talk. And I'll tell you if you're angry at God, He's big enough. Take your anger to Him instead of taking it out on Him. He created you with the ability to have that emotion and that reaction, and He's big enough to, to take it. But let me let me also caution you. As He did with me, and as you can see with Job, watch your tone. I've never been called to give an account like Job did, but I can tell you I had a stern rebuke from my Father in Heaven. And I can tell you this, that if you're angry at God, you won't receive any of the wisdom that we ask for. You won't receive anything from God because we become double-minded. And here's how we become double-minded. How am I going to trust the God that I profess to get me out of what I believe He's put me in? He's big enough. But let's understand the perspective. God says, I want to refine you. I want to develop in you maturity. I want to develop well-formed character so that when your faith is tested, you can see what you really have from me. And it's all about perspective when we do that. Maybe the trials need to, maybe the perspective isn't even how you face the trials, but maybe the perspective is how you face the mirror. Because a lot of us let the trials that we go through or continue to go through begin to define us. Well, God, I struggle with this. I, God, I struggle with addiction, so I guess that's just who I am. And this trial that I go through in life is defining me God the relationship keeps going to this point so that must be defining who I am can I can I tell you you saw the freedom video and and let me let me just say this go it's this Wednesday night at seven o'clock learn your identity because that's not what God says about you the trials we face isn't who God says we are God says you are redeemed God says, you know what? I gave my son to be sin who knew no sin so that I could call you righteousness. I call you redeemed. I have wrapped you in a cloak. I've given you authority. I have placed you in me. Don't let your trials define you. Here's what I would say. Let God define you, but let the trials refine you. Let the fire refine the identity God has given you. And we have, uh, trials are going to produce something. And just, I love the way God allows us to be good stewards. As much as I prayed, God, if you, if you have people show up, I'm going to preach them the gospel. I got no other message that's worth, worth hearing other than the gospel. We're also responsible to steward what trials produce. We have a responsibility in that. Trials can produce bitterness, anger, resentment, hatred, slander, gossip. What are we getting into? The fruit of the flesh. They can also produce love, joy, peace. What are those? The fruit of the spirit. Trials don't kill the fruit of the spirit. They help us inspect how well they're growing in their life. And we have a responsibility to produce, for what they produce. What do we see in James at the maturity they produce? We see perseverance. We see character. We see a faith that has been tested and we can trust it. And so we see these are results. But what ultimately should it produce? And that's what Peter says when he says in verse 7. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, glory. And honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. There will be a day I stand before the Lord. And that that revelation. And all of the trials. And all of the stuff that I go through. It will result in glory, honor, and praise. Because in that moment all the refining has been completed. But can I tell you, don't just wait till that day to give him the glory, honor, and the praise. Because he is with you through every trial. He is with you every step of the way. That, that God doesn't desire you to go through this trial any more than you do. But he knows it's necessary. And he wants us to see, I've called you to incredible things. I've called you to incredible things for the kingdom. And I need you to know that the faith that that I have given you can be trusted. And that as I refine you, and I give you wisdom, and I grow you in maturity, I have incredible purpose for your life. I want to know that no matter what I face God has already faced it He's already stepped through it and has been victorious and He calls me to walk in that same life that I don't walk defeated I don't walk in the identity of brokenness I walk as a child of God, the righteousness of God being refined every day and it takes the difficult times for me to see what I'm really made of. And what I pray for every one of us is when that happens, we see the godly character rise up in us. That through what comes out of us in a trial gives glory, honor, and praise. Not just what we can do after the trial, but what we do in the middle of the trial. Part of it is understanding that incredible purpose is the gospel, and getting the attention and focus off of me. It's easy for me to be woe is me. Let me. Let me close with this. I love what Paul wrote as he opened his letter to the Philippians. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now. Being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you. Will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul is in prison when he wrote that. I know we face things. But there is joy And we can count it joy. And we can be an incredible reflection of God's goodness and his glory on earth. Let's pray. Father, we love you. None of us come before you, Father, and invite trial into our life. But we are so grateful for what you have developed in us and what you develop through us. Through the difficult things we face. Lord there are some of us in this room right now. Where our faith is under fire. There are some of us everywhere. Where our faith is under fire. And I ask that as those impurities come to the surface. Would you help us to deal with those. So we don't respond. In those impurities. We respond. In the faith in the living hope, and in the fruit that you produce in our life. And Lord, we say that that will shape us, form us into your image. You have breathed your breath in us, fill us with your spirit. Father, help us to be a beautiful reflection to the world around us that regardless of what we face, we thank you for the hope that you have borne in us. We thank you for the faith that you have given us. And Father, I pray if there's anyone in here that's facing a trial without that hope, that's facing trials that, that are identifying them and defining them, And maybe the enemy is lying to them and saying, Jesus can't love you because of all the stuff you're going through. Lord, would you just show up in the middle of that trial? Lord, would you bring a a hope, a living hope, to the middle of the, the hardest situation imaginable? Would you bring new life, a new perspective? and a new outcome based on the decision right now to say Jesus I, I trust you I trust you with my life I trust you with the good days I trust you with the bad days and I ask that you develop me into who you've called me to be thank you for paying for my sin and my brokenness on the cross just as you were resurrected, would you raise me now to a new hope? Would you birth that inside of me? Jesus, be my Lord. Lord, I thank you for the gospel which saves us and sees us through the trials and sees us safely to that day where we stand in your presence at the full revelation giving you glory and honor. We love you. Jesus' name we pray. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.